welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamous and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us, and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. Like so many things in our lives, non-monogamous activity can be cyclical. There are times when we're out there dating a ton, boning all the sexy people, when we have the time and energy to enjoy the sexy connections we have made and will make. Yet there are other times when we need to pull back for a myriad of reasons, when time or energy are at a premium and we need to do less. It can be easy to feel discouraged during these times if it's not how you usually operate, but it's important to take the time to take care of yourself when you need it. That way, when the cycle comes around again, you'll be more likely to be ready to jump back on the express train to sexy town. On this episode of On the Wet Coast, we're discussing pulling back. Hey everyone, welcome. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash on the wet coast. You can tweet along with our episodes using hashtag on the wet coast. Follow us on Twitter at wet coast cat, cat with a K, at serious flick, at on the wet coast. Read blogs, reviews, and more at onthewetcoast.com. And you can email us comments or questions at contact at onthewetcoast.com. And if you like what we're doing, please rate us and leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite platform. It makes a huge difference for us. Thanks! So, turns out that non-monogamy isn't always 24-7 sexy times. No, we've done a lot of topics on non-monogamy, and not once has one of those episodes been called (laughs) 24-7 sexy times. Oh, yeah, I guess not. No, but, um, I mean... Uh, even Desire, which is maybe, you know, like 21 slash six sexy <laughs> times. So it's, it's, uh, it can be pretty close, but, um, but yeah, like, you know, you might need to take a day in the middle and sometimes you might need to, you know, um, to, uh, actually sleep for two or three hours at a time. True. <laughs> <laughs> Although you might envy those people who actually managed to get three hours of sleep a night. Yes, I really actually do, considering what about it, but what about sleeper I am at the best of times, let alone when there's a bunch of fun to be had <laughs> or a bunch of things to worry about re- in regards to the fun that I was having. Well, yeah, right. That combination of, you know, just the, all the stresses of non-monogamy packed into, you know, really concentrated a week. Plus, you know, the excitement of FOMO. If I'm sleeping, what is going on out there that exactly. I'm not, you know, who am I not fucking? What orgies <laughs> are going on that I'm not part of the debaucherous puppy pile? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you know, uh, we, a lot of our episodes cover sort of some of the, uh, some of the challenges and stressful elements we talked about, um, we talked about mental illness and we talked about, uh, you know, transitions in particular. Um, but this episode we're talking about, you know, specifically, you know, when you might need to kind of, uh, scale back your sexy adventures Mm -hmm. for, for whatever reason. And I think both of us um, are kind of in a in a stage right now that we have been doing that. Um, it's partly been you know related to depression and stress and anxiety that just neither of us have had a lot of bandwidth to get out there and and meet people. And there's been a certain amount of just natural changes within the relationships that uh, each of us have that have just shifted things. 
Well, yeah, and you know, and, and some of it's certainly been been prompted by those those changes. And I, I, but I think sometimes it can be tough to know, um, you know, when you need to kind of pull back for, uh, you know, for for necessary reasons. And sometimes, you know, um, I have a tendency to really. Um, you know, simplify, try to simplify my life when I'm, you know, when I'm under a lot of stress and, you know, and, and pull back from a lot of things, um, kind of, you know, m- more than's even healthy. Yeah, it's true. Um, there's the protective mechanism thing that starts out as a, uh, as a healthy thing, but can just sort of spiral into something much bigger than it is. And, and I think that's something I have been doing a lot lately myself is, what initially seemed like, you know, just me trying to pull back and, and get, get kind of, uh, try not to be woo about it, but, you know, get kind of centered and, and just sort of figure out who I am as a few relationships shifted and changed and figuring out what I wanted, even because it seems to be every time I think I've worked all that out. Um, I haven't. <laughs> and, um, so I've been, sort of working on on figuring that out um but yeah i think i have taken it probably a little too far with the backing off well yeah it's it's something that's really easy to overcorrect on right yeah. it's like you know i i need more time for myself and then accidentally it's like oh suddenly i have all the time for myself and i'm not doing any of the fun things that i need to kind of fill myself up you know sometimes you know i i try to think of um kind of you know, um, living a balanced life is, as having, um, you know, having something in all three corners of whether I'm getting enough rest and relaxation, whether I'm having enough fun and whether I'm feeling, you know, productive and like I'm contributing and that, mm-hmm. that might be professionally or it might be, you know, in other parts of my life. But sometimes I get confused and, and I, I know that a lot of people do. And it's like, I'm so tired. I just need more downtime when what you actually need is more fun. You need, you actually need joy in your life. Or it's like, I'm so stressed. I just need to, you know, um, get out of the office. I just need to go and do this. When in reality, checking a few things off of your to-do list that have been hanging over your head for a few weeks, that might actually reduce your stress a lot more. So, so this, this is kind of a challenging area for me knowing, you know, when, um, when I need to pull back or when I'm just kind of retreating from everything and, you know, and, and kind of, uh, trying to scale back to a completely joyless existence. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And I definitely, because have been very busy with extra things, like we've been, we both of us have been working on Cooper's audiobook for yeah. approaching <laughs> the swingularity, which, is fun in its own way. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's fun to get to do it, but yeah, actually, I mean, it's 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 fun not like you know like fucking a bunch of people, but it's no. it's, it's it's a different kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, and and you know contributing to a project and yep. and being part of it, like there's that excitement, but the grind of actually sitting, you know, in front of a desk and a mic, like reading chapters out loud, you know, can get to be a bit of a grind, especially when, you know, we've had equipment failure like we had and, <laughs> you know, re-recording the same chapter for the fourth time. Um, you know, there's a certain amount of this that, that gets a bit 
arduous. Well, you know, the chapters that I did have to record three times, they turned out pretty great. They were really good because <laughs> I then sat there for more than 16 hours because that's the length of the audiobook, um, listening to it in fine detail, making notes <laughs> because I'm also producing, um, as part of it. So like it's, it's great fulfilling stuff, but also kind of a grind. Yeah, so, it's work. Yeah. Um, trying to, to figure out and, and just not really being able to make dates because I had to sit, you know, and do this work and that sort of thing. Um, it, yeah, like, you, you know, I think most of us, our lives sort of sway toward one end of the pendulum, you know, and then kind of sway back. I, I can't bring myself to use the word swing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's kind of ruined it for me. Um, well, but- in, in, and also like, I feel like a lot of the time, um, like sometimes people talk about the, the pendulum between, uh, you know, swinging and polyamory. And I've, I'm, I've said this before. I don't actually really believe in that. I think that you can be 10 out of 10 in each. And, yeah. but, I think that the kind of stress pendulum where it's like, you know, hey, I'm seeking out new things. We're having lots of crazy, freaky adventures. We're, we're meeting new people. We're, you know, we're having, we're having orgies, you know, um, all these things. And then swinging back to, you know, let's maybe kind of consolidate. Like, yeah. you know, let, we're not having as, you know, as many, you know, new crazy adventures. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, you're seeking comfort and closeness and yeah. that sort of thing. When when you're overly stressed, you know, part of the pulling back is is a comfort thing. So you seek people you know, you know, that you know you can you can get your needs fulfilled, um, you know, will sort of often go out of their way a bit to help take care of you if you need that. And then when they're in that state, you do the same back for them. And it um, so, yeah, it's often... You know, you, you seek that kind of comfort when there's a big stress level. So it makes sense that, you know, yeah, we're not going to be on Cassidy.com seeking out like randos to fuck. <laughs> um, when we've both been in this, in this super busy state. Well, um, you know, and I think another, another thing to think about is, um, is you're scaling back for important reasons. Um, or are you just isolating yourself? Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and so sometimes, you know, this, this pulling back, we need to be careful that we're not cutting off support because, yeah. you know, a lot of these relationships that we've, we've established, even if they're just fuck buddies, sometimes they, they can be quite, you know, intimate in terms of, you know, the amount of like sharing and friendship that you have. Yeah. I get, I get so much out of those relationships. And like, I find myself even with you saying, even just fuck buddies, I'm like, just you know like these are important people and um and i know that you aren't dismissing it but it speaks to how important that is no it's true and how fulfilling it is that i sort of get a little resistant even though i actually totally understand that you don't mean that in any sort of diminishing way no i I, no, i don't and 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 uh the yeah i mean the reality is that that uh a lot of our fuck buddies are much much more buddies than they are fuck yeah. To us. And, um, you know, whereas, whereas others are, you know, people that we, you know, have sex with that we, you know, are, they're almost more like fuck acquaintances than yeah. fuck buddies. Yeah. Um, so what are, you know, what are some of the reasons that you might need to pull back? You know, we talked a little bit about mental illness. Um, you know, not, not really having the emotional bandwidth to, you know, um, that, 
that is that is required. I mean, you know, non-monogamy can be relationship on hard mode. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the thing of the thing about mental illness is it's it's not necessarily a thing you can plan for, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I went for close to three years without a really severe episode of depression. And then a few weeks ago, it just kind of clobbered me out of nowhere. So, you know, you can feel like, you know, you're, you're doing great. And, but you know, something can happen. I mean, you know, I lost my father this year. It's been a challenging year and just, you know, it, it kind of, you know, piling on. And, and so, um, so yeah, it, it can, it can come without warning. It's just kind of the nature of that sort of illness. Yeah, it, and it brought so much up, really, with for both of us, like with losing your dad, because it just, you know, it, it sort of harkened back to what we went through with my parents and, and kind of cycled us back into those challenging times. So it's, it's not even like when we have these experiences, we're only having that experience. Oh, no, we're I- often reliving other traumatic experiences that we've that we've gone through before and it all just feeds back into itself and and it yeah it was really difficult because seeing what you were going through just really put me back into to where I was with my folks and um and I know you talked about how you know it it put you back into what we dealt with with my mom too and um it really throws everything for a loop because you know, most of the time I'm, I just, you know, sort of, uh, wow, words, <laughs> words are hard. Um, I, I operate under this level of anxiety that, you know, I've, I've sort of got a handle on, um, for the most part. It's, it's not always super functional, but for the most part, like I kind of have a baseline and, and I just operate pretty well under that. Um, but the depression piece has been kicking my ass, um, much more, you know, over the past, couple years, actually. Um, I think just with my stress levels being ramped up uh, with with a lot of the non-monogamy stuff. And even though it is, it's so great in so many ways, and and I can't really imagine our lives monogamous again. um, You know, it's just like it ramps up the stress level. And so my issues have, have come to the surface more. And that's a really common thing um with life changes and you know it's one of the the things that can be really unexpected because even when you're you're used to managing one sort of set of symptoms sometimes fun new symptoms (laughs) (laughs) and well this is exciting and new (laughs) yeah and it's not that I, i never have to deal with depression but it's been much worse more recently, um, which I think is, you know, related to, to a lot of that, you know, going through the grief and the mourning process. Well, and, and, you know, life changes, uh, even in the absence of other mental illness, um, yeah. other mental, under health, <laughs> other <laughs> mental health issues, um, you know, grief is, it's a, it's a big shift, you know, other things like changes in employment or mm-hmm. education or moving, you know, the, these types of things that really uproot your life can, you know, can put different demands on you and, and your relationships. And it, it may require kind of, you know, renegotiating what, what some of those relationships are and how you're, how you're kind of un, uh, tackling your non-monogamy. Yeah. Or even, you know, relationships ending, you know. With, yeah. Um, well, that's a form of grief to me, right? Is, oh, for sure. Yeah. 
um, and just, you know, reorganizing your life in a, in a completely different way. So, well, and, uh, and for me, you know, I've kind of enjoyed a lot of work flexibility for several years and the past few months, a lot of that flexibility has gone away. And mm-hmm. so the, you know, uh, sort of my ability to, to kind of, um, you know, uh, put a lot of maintenance into relationships, you know, on an ongoing basis, you know, almost every day, like a lot of that has gone away. It's mm-hmm. made it, it's made it a lot harder to maintain, especially long distance relationships. It's, um, it's created a huge challenge, um, you know, compared to, ha- you know, having, feeling a lot of freedom, you know, feeling a lot of flexibility, like, oh, you know, I'll just, uh, talk to this person for a few hours and then I'll just work a couple more hours tomorrow. Like, uh, you know, that a lot of that. A lot of that flexibility just hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. And physical illness can be, you know, very similar to mental illness and all this sort of thing. You know, you might have something come up where you've had an injury or have gotten sick in some sort of way and you just can't maintain uh, some of these relationships and, and need to need to pull back. And, you know, it can be a time that you really do need to rely on the resources of the people around you. And so many of us are really great at saying when other people are in need about like, please call on me anytime. Yet, when we are in need ourselves, we're often just absolute crap at actually taking anyone up on that stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to fix that. I don't know how to fix that for myself. And I don't know how to express to somebody you know, no, for reals, actually yeah. tell me when you, when you need help. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, that, that's, uh, that's a balance I haven't sorted out myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, having, uh, extra relationships that are of people who are close to you, it can be amazing to actually seek out that help. And even the, the relationships that you have with metamors and, other people can be amazing in these circumstances. Like I found when I was going through a a rough patch when you and Iris were traveling together, which I was like excited about and super happy about, but also it was a really challenging time for me um, unexpectedly because I was just all like, Oh no, I'm super happy. I'm feeling all this compersion. Yeah, there they go. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm really pleased. And then it happened and I was like, what? (laughs) I'm so lonely. Um, and it was, it was a hard time for me. And I found myself wanting to reach out to, to one of my people and he just wasn't available at the time. But his girlfriend who I've developed a friendship with, um, I've only met her a couple times because they live a long way away, but we, we had a great rapport and we would chat sometimes just, you know, because we had a good click. Um, I reached out to her and she was amazing and she just really helped me through so much. And it was just sort of one of these really touching moments to know that like your people's people can be an outstanding resource if you're willing to ask for the help. And I went through a couple days of like wallowing and, and, and walling myself off from everyone because I was just feeling so crappy and also feeling sort of guilty and weird about feeling bad. (laughs) Um, but so I think in a way, having someone who was a little 
outside a little bit, um, it was actually easier to talk to her. That's really interesting. And, and I, th- I, I think it's probably very true that metamors are really typically untapped resource yeah. that, you know, they already, there's already so much intimacy there. And, um, and yeah, they're, they're probably going to be really, really ready and really receptive to, mm-hmm. you know, to provide support to, you know, kind of, um, you know, because they probably go through similar things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, f- being able to, um, being able to help you through that and experience that with you. Yeah. It was, it was really, it was one of those sort of like, this is why I do it <laughs> kind of <laughs> moments. Cause it was sort of, you know, a combination of the, what the hell am I doing? And the, this is why I do it, you know, at the same time, because yeah, it was really, it was really great. And, and I just, I have such a, a special feeling for her. Um, you know, I was already really fond of her, but, um, it just, yeah, it just gave me just this really feeling of, of safety with yeah, her. Yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, another sort of big shift in your life that might require pulling back is relationship issues. You know, mm-hmm. whether, whether it's in, you know, in general, uh, relationship challenges, you know, with, with one or more, um, you know, a specific partner or, you know, what we, what we talked about when, uh, in transitions where, you know, a specific sort of relationship, um, style or, or, you know, specific attributes aren't really working for you for some reason. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some, sometimes you, you, it's very common to kind of hear people talking about, you know, sort of closing things down so that they can focus on their primary relationship. Um, you know, I would, I would kind of caution people to, you know, really think, well, you know, the people in, in your relationships, they are people, you know, and they're more important than the actual relationship. And so, you know, think about, um, think about how okay you are treating those relationships as disposable. Yeah. You know, so, so, you know, so try to be mindful of, of the fact that, you know, you, and, you know, often what people call their primary relationship is a long-term relationship with a lot of foundation. It is probably a lot more robust than you expect it to be. So you can probably, you know, quote, focus on your quote, primary relationship, um, without having to cut everybody else out of your life and kind of go scorched earth on your relationships. Yeah. Because it is, it's much like, all the additional relationships in your life are, are very much, you know, friendships as well as relationships. Uh-huh. And if you would, you know, if you think about when your, your friends are with someone new or they're, you know, dealing with things and they just like cut off all their friends, um, <laughs> yeah. both how isolating that is and how they end up like kind of stuck in a drift without, you know, the, the support network. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also like how, pissed off you are at them yeah for doing something uh so selfish and i think it's really possible to to maintain healthy you know multi relationships while trying to improve like your long-term or your your nesting relationship and you know it's difficult if there has been a huge like boundary violation or something that has come up 
you know, that might be related to one of the other relationships. Right. I think that's a, a tougher call, but I'm still not really sure that the whole like, oh no, we're just going to go down to, to two and then, you know, everyone else like, let's, let's burn it all to the ground and then we'll just start again with, with a new set of people <laughs> after. And, it, you know, I guess it depends on the kind of non-monogamy you practice too. If you're more of the casual sex kind of swingery, um, or just like not really emotional kind of relationships that might be a little different and yeah. a little easier. The um, sort of more unentangled relationship yeah. styles. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if you do have interwoven lives, um, yeah, it's really difficult and, you know, kind of shitty to just, <laughs> um, to just cut everybody out. Um, which doesn't mean it's not challenging to, to work through things. Yeah. The end. Um, <laughs> so, um, why don't we take a short break? Hey everyone, Flick here, and I want to tell you about an amazing vacation we've had the last two years at Desire Resort and Spa Riviera Maya in Cancun, Mexico. We've spent an outstanding week with an exciting group of sexy geeks when we joined Life on the Swing Set in Paradise. It's no exaggeration to say that it changed our lives. This year, Swing Set takes over the resort for the second time from November 4th to 11th, bringing even more freedom and fun running our own inclusive theme nights, packing in even more geeky, sexy, welcoming shenanigans into our seven days. And this year, the incomparable Tristan Terramino will be joining the trip, hosting workshops and adding her own special kind of awesome to the adventure. Kat and I met amazing new friends and partners over the last two years, and we can't wait to see what this year has in store. With fewer than 15 rooms left, now's the time to book to get in on the fun. Go to lifeontheswingset.com and follow the Desire Takeover 2017 link to contact Char Travel. A small refundable deposit secures your place in paradise. Meet us in the hot tub and we can discuss the cast of Firefly in a very special game of Fuck, Mary Kill. Fuck Nora, Mary Mal, kill Jane, because Adam Baldwin is a terrible person. Yes, kill Jane. Hope to see you there. And we're back talking about pulling back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I guess sometimes it's not always a choice, right? Sometimes some, uh, sometimes some sudden catastrophic upheaval is actually going to require that you pull back without advance notice. Um, So, you know, what are the, what are the specific considerations we want to keep in mind when this happens? Yeah, it's, it's really tricky because, you know, in theory, you know, you always want to be able to have the opportunity to talk to people and explain what's going on and um, really try to let people know that they're valued, but stuff is going on and, and all that kind of thing. But sometimes, you know, when, when big things happen, um, you know, in your life, like in, in all the different things that we've talking about, it could be a job loss or, it, you know, a, a death or, you know, some sort of physical illness or some sort of, you know, severe mental illness that just doesn't allow you the com, uh, the communication ability to, to connect with people. Yeah, it, c- it could be, I cannot afford to live in Vancouver anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, which, yeah, this is one of my people that I, you know, had been connecting with recently that I uh, was really, uh, you know, kind of excited that we seem to have a better click than have. Oh, with, shit. Uh, I, pu- I pulled that example out of my ass. I forgot that that was actually <laughs> that that was actually going on yes. in your life. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I was like, yay, finally, someone I feel like really, you know, this this is maybe not totally a thing, but this maybe could be a thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a nice thing, even if it's not like a thing thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it was, it was moving away because, yeah, Vancouver is ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think like ju- it's probably especially when it's abrupt and, you know, to some extent when it's abrupt, it's probably non-negotiable, mm-hmm. right? Like, so in those circumstances, I think really, you know, need to be especially sensitive to the type of upheaval this might cause with partners and, you know, and do whatever you can to emphasize, you know, their importance and their meaning, but that this is, this is just, you know, unavoidable and that, you know, um, maybe this requires rethinking how this relationship is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Cause not, not everyone is going to be up for writing it out with you. Yeah. Um, which is totally fair. Um, like it's totally reasonable that someone might just not be up for it. They might not. It's like, I did not sign up for long distance or I did not sign up for, you know, kids. If you're going to be, you know, uh, starting a family or, um, or, you know, being the support in, in this particular situation, you know, like I, I, you know, only have this much room in my life for these relationships. And if this is now going to be a, a, big support role that I'm playing as opposed to a fun, sexy role that I'm playing, you know, they just might not have that ability um, to do that. And, and it's, it sucks and it's hard. um, But, you know, there, we do need to respect people, um, you know, their ability to make that choice or their need to make that choice. Well, and, you know, another, another big challenge related to that, related to, you know, how you talk to your, uh, you know, how, how partners feel about the, your, your need to pull back or choice to pull back, you know, whether it's, you know, required or desired, you know, some people are going to have feelings about, you know, how you've chosen to envision your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I would say as much as possible, you know, approach these changes as a negotiation. Um, but if that's not possible, you know, maybe expect people to, to have strong reactions. Yeah. Cause, you know, that's when, when you're, when you're kind of dictating terms of the relationship, that's kind of going to be inevitable. Yeah. And I know personally, when I have gone through this, uh, with some of my people, when they've been going through things and have maybe gone into a deep depression and have become uncommunicative and I've felt like shut out and mm. I've been hurt and, you know, walled off and, and just kind of not understood what's going on. And, and, you know, it's a really difficult time and it, it can be really hard to feel like, like this person who you're, like you feel like you're important to, you suddenly feel like you're not important to them. Mm-hmm. And even though I understand that sometimes you're just not capable of, of communicating, um, you know, it, it's still, 
it's possible to be hurt by the behavior, even though you understand where it's coming from. Well, and you know, and and you're describing something that we haven't really covered that much, which is, you know, we've kind of been talking about the conscious withdrawal and the yeah. conscious pulling back and communicating that yeah. to affected partners. But there's also a thing where you pull back because, you know, not even, con- you know, necessarily consciously, but kind of de facto where it's like, you know, I don't feel like talking today. I don't feel like talking again today. I, you know, I haven't felt like talking for yeah. three weeks. And, yeah. you know, and that kind of unconscious uh, pulling back is going to have a huge effect. And, you know, and you can end up in that that kind of, um, you know, um, catch 22 where it's been so long that now it is, there's a lot of tension yeah. and it's really awkward to address it now. And, uh, you know, and so sometimes people will never talk to you again in yeah. that circumstance, or they might suddenly pretend that everything's fine or they'll, they'll get back to you with, uh, a really absurd excuse. Um, and you need to decide whether to let them save face or, talk to them about the fact that they kind of pulled a temporary ghosting on you. Yeah. And it can, it can be really tough. Um, as you know, especially with the sort of stacking mental illnesses that we find are seem so common in non-monogamy, um, that, you know, somebody's depression kind of triggers your depression, which, you know, might trigger other partners and, and you all kind of cycle into this together sometimes. It's like toddlers at a birthday party. Oh, like wow. someone, one starts crying and suddenly you've got a whole room full of crying toddlers. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and with kind of the networks of metamors and relationships. Yeah. Suddenly, uh, suddenly everybody's crying. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be, it can be really challenging. And I, I tend to find with myself that I, that I sort of overemphasize everything up front because right. I want to, well, because I'm anxious, but um, because I want to prepare people that this is sometimes something that happens and it's not necessarily trying to excuse it, but just preparing people that sometimes I feel like my words have no value. Mm. So I want to talk to someone and I will sit and stare at an empty screen attempting to figure out what to type but I have nothing because everything I say is worthless. Um, and so it is really difficult because, you know, I can be really hurt that someone hasn't talked to me all day. Um, yet I, someone know. that you have not messaged all day. Exactly. Yeah. And like, why haven't they messaged me? Um, and you know, but yeah, I've been holding my phone with it open to the app and just been unable to type a single letter because it's just all garbage. Um, so I try to prepare people that, that this is sometimes something that happens with me. Um, yeah. and that I, and it's not that I don't care and have developed a certain amount of like little shorthands with people. Right. Um, that, you know, even if I have absolutely no words, I can put a heart emoji and send it. And, or a picture of your vagina. <laughs> not of my vagina, of my vulva. It's right. Quite challenging to photograph my vagina. <laughs> We might need to buy something to make that possible. Um, but yeah, I, generally, I'm unlikely to just send someone a picture of my Volvo if I'm really depressed. But except you, I'll send you pictures because <laughs> you will cheer me up because you'll 
say really nice things uh, <laughs> immediately and then I'll feel better. Um, so or I won't say, uh, or won't say anything for like five minutes and you'd be like, why didn't you send, send something about my Volvo? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this went way off track. But anyway, <laughs> you may have a shorthand such as a heart emoji or a vulva pick yeah. that you would like, you know, as, as a way that like, when I have absolutely nothing else, I can send that and they know I think I'm thinking about them and they can do the same thing for me. And if neither of us have words, we just know that we care or, you know, the, the other pussy pick, which is the, you know, like the, the cat, like the <laughs> internet or, you know, the fox or the koala hugging a teddy bear or the whatever, like just like I have nothing else, but this was a funny tweet I saw or whatever. And, and just as a little way of like, I exist. I acknowledge that you exist. <laughs> um, kind of like messaging. Um, but I think, I think, you know, for people with mental illness, it's a really great way to do that and, and to overestimate or, um, like overestimate your limits and attempt, you know, as much as possible to be really realistic rather than like what you really wish you could do. So, okay, I'm I'm confused when you say overestimating estimating your limits. You mean like um the overestimating your limits sounds like, you know, your you think your limits are higher than Oh, no, no. Okay. I mean, yeah, like, you know, sort of managing expectations. I'm probably only going to be able to get to like 4. Right. When in fact, you might be able to get to 6 or 7, but just like really um yeah, sort of having diminished expectations of yourself and and diminished like promises that you might make to other people right um just so that they are prepared for that and and it's really easy to to want things and like i want to go out and see people but i'm often not really able to do so yeah um so i try to go with focusing on on what the most likely reality is going to be rather than you know, my optimistic self. And I think sometimes that's a piece of my pulling back and actually walling myself off. And sometimes it doesn't serve me very well because I'm so focused on being realistic that I kind of forget about actually having fun. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I do it to try to protect other people. Yeah. You know, I think there can be an element uh, of almost that pattern of rejecting myself first so that you know, to make it harder for you to hurt me by rejecting me. So sometimes upfront limitations, especially if they're kind of premature, presenting those to people doesn't really give them the opportunity to kind of, you know, see what they like about us before we're, you know, um, presenting them with, with a, a you know, a, a list of our, our faults and maintenance schedules. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because the really, how much they are going to interact with those qualities uh, may be yet to be determined, right? Like, True. you know, so, um, so it's like, you know, for, for some of, uh, for some of your friends and partners, um, you, the, the nature of your anxiety and depression might not really be relevant and might not ever come up. True. So it's probably worthwhile attempting to talk about how to maintain relationships through these transitions. Right. Um, I don't know whether we have any 
like, you know, super tips on uh, <laughs> any hot takes on this. <laughs> hot, hot takes. I, I don't know. It's, it's some, a thing. There's some jargon. I think the kids are I've saying heard the young people on the internet say <laughs> a hot take. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we I'm such a dork. <laughs> Um, so my hot take <laughs> it would, would be to, uh, to just try to keep everybody in the loop. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and one of the temptations I think is to, is to try to present your partners with a fully formed explanation of what's going on mm-hmm. as opposed, you know, and so number one, that can delay it. Number two, that can kind of, um, interfere with their opportunity to support us and to offer, you know, alternative visions of what, you know, what the relationship might be. So I feel like, you know, kind of earlier and expressing with more, you know, expressing any uncertainty or vulnerability that you might have on it, you know, so, um, so yeah, I think that, that often we can end up feeling like we need to, we need to put our foot down when really we might just need to be expressing what's going on and, you know, and maybe asking more questions and asking for help. Yeah. That's my hot take. <laughs> hot takes with play. <laughs> you know, and, and, um, and, and I feel like that, that visibility might be necessary with, uh, with relationships that aren't, that aren't even, uh, kind of directly affected by that yeah. transition. Yeah. Just so that they know that there might be other, you know, extra stresses in your relationship or they might, they might know something about what's going on with, with, uh, with this metamor that you don't know, you know, so yeah. they're, yeah, like kind of, um, having a little bit of extra communication and insight for, for other people that, you know, um, if you, if you are needing to pull back from one relationship, chances are to some measure, all of your relationships are going to be pulled back. Yeah. And I think the, the key, um, in, in a lot of this is, is being willing to be more vulnerable. Yeah. And so many of us really feel the need to be together and feel the need to present our best self like at all times and or even just like a tidy version of our screwed up selves um or or, or a, you know or a a, a f- um a facade of decisiveness yes you know like we might we might be you know, pulled in three different directions, but we, we show this pretense of, of being, you know, a hundred percent committed to, to this when really, you know, we, we may have a huge amount of uncertainty. Yeah. So I think, you know, in so much of this, just being willing to, to be vulnerable and to be unsure and, and open about sort of our fear and our pain, you know, helps get us support. Yeah. And not feeling the need to just have it all sort it out before we talk to anyone, you know, and that's, you know, again, as like, as an introverted person, like, so much of the processing is done inside. And I'm going to think about it for two weeks. And then I'm going to talk to my people. um, Once I've got it, once I got my shit together, you know, as opposed to talking while I'm still in the, you know, like, ah, kind of state, because that's just not how I process things. Um, yet often when I do talk to you or talk to my other people when I'm in those states, it helps me through the processing so much faster 
and, and helps me just feel supported and loved and, and not so isolated, which it is very much that, that sort of catch 22 with the pulling back is because often you're doing it because you need to, but sometimes, you know, you end up isolating yourself more and then feeling even worse. Yeah. And I think, you know, talking about it early, you know, you might find out that you don't really need to, or at least yeah. not the way you were thinking, you know, maybe, maybe you need to, maybe you need to pull back from something else. Like, you know, maybe, maybe you're doing too much CrossFit. I guarantee if you're doing CrossFit, you're doing too much CrossFit. <laughs> like that's, that's my hot take. <laughs> oh, Lord, I've created a monster. <laughs> well, I think, feel like we've maybe uh, talked about this as much as, uh, as we need to. Right I now. think we talked about this way too long already. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please help boost our visibility by rating us and leaving us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It means a lot to us and helps us get into the ear holes of more listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at Wet Coast Cat, at Sirius Flick, at On the Wet Coast. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash On the Wet Coast. And email us any comments, questions, or your own hot takes to contact at onthewetcoast.com. You can read Kat's blog at onthewetcoast.com or lifeontheswingset.com under the blog heading On the Wet Coast. And you can hear a lot more of Kat by buying the audiobook of Cooper S. Beckett's novel, A Life Less Monogamous, available at alifelessmonogamous.com. Enter the code WETCOAST at checkout to save 10%. And also at audible.com. And pretty soon you'll be able to hear both Kat and Flick in Cooper's new novel, approaching the swingularity. We'll have more details on that another time. Check out the other awesome sex-positive podcasts on the Swingset Network at swingset.fm. Hi, this is Princess Callie, author of Enough to Make You Blush and founder of kinkacademy.com. You're listening to a Swingset podcast at swingset.fm. Oh, I probably shouldn't put so much whiskey in your milkshake before we record a podcast. It was delicious. <laughs>